0: Alright everybody, welcome to the Skewered Universe Podcast, Episode three. It's about and, time. <laughs> as you can tell, not flying solo for this episode, <laughs> we have our co-host, my road dog in life. <laughs> I don't know, Leanne is here. Hi. From episode one, she's back, she wanted to put up with my ass again.
1: I know, I don't know why.
0: (laughs) You just make things better. Unless you're being crazy, then, you know, get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, what do we want to talk about first? Because there's been quite a few things going on.
1: So many things. Huge list of things. (laughs) Well, I mean, number one, top of my list Rick and Morty.
0: Yes. We just found out this past week. Uh, it's the date we're recording this is the twelfth of May, just for reference on this one. We just found out the other day that Adult Swim has ordered seventy more episodes Yay! <sighs> yeah. of Rick and Morty.
1: We don't we don't quite have a an audience track yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. We're working on it. We just gotta sneak into some poor well, we that yeah, there's not really live studio audiences. It's mostly <laughs> canned laughter. I'm sure we can find that somewhere. But yeah, a 70-episode order, which gives them a number of more seasons.
1: Mm-hmm. Very exciting.
0: It's, it's like an unprecedented deal they struck.
1: I wonder if they already had started working on episodes. Or if they had waited until they got the
0: final say. See, that's the thing. I don't know because there was so many stories going around and which side was true or who was telling the most truth. You know, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But they were saying they hadn't started because they weren't sure they were getting that fourth season, so production was kind of in limbo. But then again, they could have been... Working on some things.
1: I hope that they started early so that they could get the ball rolling and we can get our next season right now. I want it right now.
0: Yeah, you're not going to get it right now, (laughs) but I mean, animation takes a while.
1: Yeah, but I'm very excited. I'm one of those fans that I just, I really, I'm, I'm ready now. Let's go.
0: Yeah, lots of people are. Unfortunately the show also has a lot of asshole fans, but that's that's an entirely different topic. <laughs> but yeah, 70 episodes. I mean, that's huge.
1: Yeah. How many how many episodes have been in each season?
0: I think the first season was 13. And then 2 and 3 were only 10 episodes, I believe.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. So, 3 seasons, 33 episodes.
1: That's going to be a lot of seasons. So
0: seven seasons, or 70 episodes, could equal about seven seasons, if not more, if they were to cut the length of show, the number of shows down.
1: Mm -hmm. Any other shows that we've been thinking about? I know I have, I know I have one that I like, but I'm not sure your fans would be interested well, it's a uh, a new uh anime on Netflix. Uh, Agres I I, don't, I cannot pronounce it.
0: Agresco. A- Agresco. Agresco.
1: Yes, thank you. And uh she see I wish I had the page up, but my internet wasn't working. <laughs> but basically, she's this little red panda. That works in this office. I think she's maybe an accountant. She's in something. the accounting.
0: She's in the accounting. Yeah, department.
1: and uh, she's very sweet. She does her job. She, you know, very mellow, mild mannered little panda. And her boss enrages her, and so she secretly does death metal karaoke as a way of coping <laughs> with her boss. And hilarity ensues. It's very cute.
0: I'm I'm glad that we watched it together because it was I enjoyed it. It's so
1: funny. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of a lot of my friends identify with her character. Right. And, you know, sometimes your boss makes you a little homicidal. You can't really kill people, so just go like uh, go do some karaoke, put on some death metal. Yeah. Work your shit out.
0: Works for her. <laughs> Yeah, I just. It was funny because when I heard. When I saw you watching it before we went back and watched it together from the beginning, you had started. Yeah. And I was like, wait, I know I've heard that character name. And it was just weird to me the found out it's one of the Sanrio characters, like Hello Kitty and all mm-hmm. that. Yep. Because it is so far <laughs> the other <laughs> direction. So you're like.
1: It's still cute. It's it's not like it's bad or, yeah. or you know rude or anything like that. It's it's. No, it has really it has
0: some adult language when they do the English a dub. A
1: yeah. The dubbing is a little strange because they, you explained it better before.
0: The dubbing was in English, but the subtitles were an English translation of the Japanese. Mm-hmm. So it was very proper and sometimes. <clears throat> excuse me I felt like my voice was getting weird there for a second <laughs> sometimes like a longer version of what they said mm-hmm. so it was just really weird because I'm reading subtitles and listening to them talk and I'm like okay the two aren't really closely related
1: No, it <laughs> because it'll like... be like
0: an English slang for something mm-hmm. I just whistled when I said English funny <laughs> leaving it in there's no editing here yeah. And then reading <laughs> the subtitles was throwing me off. Yeah. So, here, yeah, it was really distracting. But it was also weird that when you started watching it the first time,
1: it was different. It was
0: Japanese with English subtitles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then when we went back to it, it was English with English translated from Japanese subtitles. Like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm completely thrown off now.
1: Yeah, I noticed that they had changed it. I wonder why they did that.
0: I don't know, it's weird.
1: Hmm.
0: With stuff like that, I kind of prefer listening to it in the regu- in whatever language it was filmed in yeah. or recorded in and then reading the mm-hmm. English subtitles.
1: Yeah, I prefer it that way. It
0: seems I get a better picture for what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm. And plus it's nice to hear the original voice actors. Exactly. Because That's they huge. were specifically chosen for that part. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So, I've got something Ooh. I want to talk about. Excitement. Because I took last Friday, the 4th of May, off. Not just because it was Star Wars Day, but <laughs> I wanted to go to the movies. So, of course, I went and saw something that everyone is talking about Ladybird. That had. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's <laughs> not a movie I'm going to talk about here because I don't even know <laughs> what the hell it's about. But, uh,. Avengers Infinity War is what I got to see.
1: Yeah.
0: But before the movie, I got to see a few trailers. One of them I had seen before, but it was fun to see it on the big screen. Mm -hmm. Because it just means we're that much closer. But I saw the theatrical version of the Venom trailer. Now, I had seen a version on YouTube, and on a TV, you kind of lose a little bit of the scope of what's happening. Technically, I watched on my phone, but so Venom is the story of the Spider-Man villain taking over Eddie Brock, but they have Tom Hardy playing that character in this movie. Tom Hardy is great. The trailer looks like it could be a really fun movie, but it is Sony
1: who has.
0: Okay, Sony did the first three Spider-Man movies directed by Sam Raimi with Tobey Maguire.
1: I like those.
0: They screwed up the third one by getting way too involved in the production of the film. Mm -hmm. Like, telling Sam Raimi, well, we need a second villain. Well, you're going to do this. You're going to use Venom as your villain. He's going. He had a whole plan for everything, and they're like, yeah, but you're going to do this. Yeah. And they screwed up that film. Then the next two Spider-Man films, The Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man Two, which had Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, were mediocre at best. So What's Sony's that? just not doing well with this. I get it. Okay. Like Spider-Man One and Two with Tobey Maguire that Sam Raimi did
1: mm-hmm.
0: were really, really good. And then Three, when the studio got so involved, it just tanked. Right.
1: The as next it, two as it tends to happen.
0: Yeah. The next two, they go. Back to the beginning, tell us the story of Spider Man all over again instead of just kind of picking up where they left off or giving us a whole new story. It's like, okay, well, we've already seen that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then we had Spider Man Homecoming, which was Marvel coming in with Sony and going, hey, let us do our thing. Kind of telling them, you guys have proven you can't really handle Spider Man, so. You just sit over here and play nice in the corner in the playpen and let the grown-ups handle Spider-Man who know what we're doing. And they nailed it. So going back to Venom, it has me worried that they're going to... And I don't know a lot about Venom. I don't read a lot of comics. I know the characters from the cartoons in the 90s and shit like that. But a part of me is like, Sony could really fuck this up. It looks cool. Tom Hardy looks like he's nailing the part, which he does pretty much anyway. But it's just Sony looming overhead like, hey, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: the reputation with them is not all that great.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't know that. Well, hopefully hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised.
0: I'm excited for it, but I'm keeping my expectations super low so I won't be disappointed if it is shit. Right. But then, I don't remember all the trailers that I saw because it was over a week ago. They played a Deadpool 2 trailer and it was fucking awesome.
1: Because
0: I cannot wait for this movie. And this is the first time there's a part in the trailer where Cable, played by Josh Brolin, okay. who is who Deadpool is essentially fighting against in this film.
1: Okay, that's, see, that that's different because I do like him. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay. He's choking him out and he goes, Oh, you're so dark. Sure, you're not from the DC universe? Whoa. And I wanted to laugh so hard in the theater. Mind you, there's only about eight of us in the theater. Because it's 10.30 in the morning on a Friday. And I wanted to bust up laughing so hard. Because I was like, that's the kind of humor we get. That's just, it was it was perfect. The trailer was amazing. It made me even more excited for it.
1: I, I wish I could say I am. Mm.
0: And it's, it's one of those things, just because you like the first one... It, the second one may be too much of the same humor for you and be like, eh, fuck it, I don't I, want to see I it. I just...
1: You know, it's... I'm so hard to please when it comes to comedy. You know, I... With the first one, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it's still... It was still a little <laughs> much. However, when you say who is it, Josh Brolin... Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. I can maybe go see it for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's good. I mean, speaking of Josh Brolin anyway, this guy's in two of the possibly biggest comic movie releases this year. He's Cable and Deadpool 2 that's coming up,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he was Thanos in Avengers Infinity War.
1: <laughs>
0: so he's double dipping in the Marvel world <laughs> between two different studios here. But if, when, if Disney acquires Fox, then it'll be the same. But...
1: Okay, so Fortnite, that's... I don't think oh. I know what that is exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, speaking of Thanos, uh, they recently released, I guess, an update for the game where if you hang around for, I think it's like three minutes after you jump off the bus to deploy into the the world, there's what, looks, what appears to be like a meteor coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the Infinity Gauntlet, which is what Thanos wields to hold the Infinity Stones, which gives him absolute power over the universe, and he can wipe out whoever he wants. So they put this in the game. So I watched a video of a YouTuber named H2O Delirious playing this game. And He went, found the gauntlet, put it on, was the Thanos character in Fortnite. Which, for those of you that don't know, real quick segue, Fortnite is like this. You can play in a Battle royal mode. Where you can oh, be on a team, okay. or you can be solo, and you're playing against other players. And your goal is to make it to the end to win everything. You want to be the last
1: man standing, essentially. Okay, that makes sense.
0: So back to what they did. They added this Thanos feature, and it's just such an overpowered character that h Two Delirious ended up winning the round he was in. Because every time he killed someone, it would regenerate his shield. So he could be getting shot... His health's not going down, but his shield, which was the highest you could get, was slowly getting, like, halfway. Mm -hmm. He'd kill two people, boom, it's fully replenished.
1: Wow. I was like, damn,
0: that actually looks kind of fun. It may be the only way I could ever win the game if I could get it, Mm -hmm. because I suck at Fortnite.
1: I've seen you play. You
0: do suck. Yeah, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been one to play those games, so jumping in right now, trying to figure it out, it's like, I don't know what to do You told me you're supposed to build. I'm like, build what? I don't know
1: (laughs) You're like, why am I gathering all these things? You have to build something, silly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so Fortnite is not my forte. Aha!
1: You're so
0: clever. Not really. It was it was another fucking dad joke. I do put out a lot of dad jokes and I'm not a dad. I just play one on TV. In
1: my mind. Oh, so okay. You saw uh, mm. the Deadpool two. Yeah, trailer. which has
0: got me really excited for Deadpool two. Yeah. Another one I'm excited about. <laughs> and I've I saw this was the first trailer that was released, so it's it's already been on YouTube. But again, to see it, in the scope of the big screen, Ant Man and the Wasp.
1: Oh, that okay. looks so much fun. I did like Ant Man.
0: It, Ant-Man it when we looks. As fun as the first one, just the shrinking and the growing and everything about it just seems fun. And I'm glad that Paul Rudd is a part of the Marvel universe because
1: his comedy, he's great. I appreciate. It I works. love His comedy.
0: It just works.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's so charming.
0: Yeah, it's but he's like so
1: goofy at the same time.
0: He's just one of those guys you never hear anything bad about him.
1: You really don't.
0: Yeah. But you're always like, you know, if I was walking down the street and saw this guy, you could probably end up having a beer with him or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. He just
0: seems like that type of guy.
1: Yeah, very down to earth.
0: Funny to think he kind of started his career in a Super Nintendo commercial.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that.
0: Yep. <laughs> I totally forgot that was him, and then I saw it years later and was like, holy shit. <laughs> that is hilarious.
1: Yeah, he's a funny dude.
0: But yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp looks really good.
1: Do you know who plays the Wasp?
0: It is the same actress from the first one who played Hank Pym's daughter. But I can't remember the actress's name, so...
1: We're going to Google it.
0: Yeah. If I can type in the movie correctly.
1: <laughs> uh, technical t- <sighs> difficulties.
0: Yeah, apparently I wanted to spell Ant as Amped, T.
1: Well, you are
0: pretty amped. That's true. That's true. These
1: this are getting it going, man.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, there we go. IMDB. Evangeline Lily. That is oh, the actress. Oh, okay.
1: Evangeline I like Lilly.
0: Pretty I did good. not know that was her, but yeah, she was she was in the first one and they kinda teased the wasp in the I believe it was the post not the post credit scene. It was like the mid credit scene at the end of the movie. Hmm. They had her dad, Hank Pym, played by Michael Douglas, rather awesomely played by Michael Douglas, by the way, who Agreed. comes back for this one.
1: Yeah,
0: showed her the suit for the Wasp that he was originally making for her mother before she passed away. I think,
1: right.
0: but yeah, it's it looks fun. Like they kept a lot of the stuff from the original, well, the first one, right? As far as the shrinking and the the whole dynamic of that, and just kind of amped it up.
1: Very
0: exciting. I mean, when they're taking a Pez dispenser that's Hello Kitty, hey, that's <laughs> a a nice little callback to Aggretsuko, right? <laughs> and they use the technology to, instead of shrinking it smaller, they make it like ten times the size of it, and it's just throwing at <laughs> this guy on a motorcycle. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, those, those are the trailers I remember because they really stuck out in my mind. That leads me to, I got to see Avengers Infinity War. Mm -hmm. All I will say is that I loved it. If you have not seen it, go see it. And I am not covering it tonight, simply because I'm going to have a guest host on with me, my friend Chris is going to come on, and we are talking tons of things, Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, And we're going to cover Avengers Infinity War at that point. This will also give me time to see Thor, Ragnarok, and Black Panther. So you guys can get my thoughts on those as well. Because yes, some of you are nerd raging right now. (laughs) You didn't see those two before Infinity War. You're going to be lost. I'm not lost. There's just a few puzzle pieces I need to drop in and then I'll be good. It's not a big deal, guys. It's very easy to fix. Don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry. We're good. So yeah that's that's all the exciting stuff that's been going on lately
1: yeah what well, about you any anything video games yeah okay there's there's been a few
0: yeah PS plus is is a good way for me to start playing games that I would have never bought and <laughs> really make it worth the money for mm-hmm. a year subscription which is 60 freaking dollars.
1: yeah but you know what I think it would be worth it.
0: For some of the games alone, it is worth it, because I've really got my money's worth. So for me, it's fine. A lot of people think it's not worth it. I tend to personally think it is. But one of those releases that I picked up, which I'd heard about when it came out, didn't think anything of it, is Mad Max. And It's actually really fun. The first time I started playing, I was getting kind of aggravated because there's a lot of cutscenes. So just long... Mm these semi-long cutscenes that you can't skip. Because it's critical you learn all this stuff that they're telling you. They're basically giving you tips on how to play the game through these little cinematics. Right. and.
1: What kind of game is it?
0: I don't know if you would consider it like a first... It's not really a first-person shooter. It's It's like an open-world kind of deal there is a story but it's more open you can kind of explore okay i guess it's kind of an action game i don't remember who made it i didn't look any of that up but it's it's fun once you get past all those long cinematics in the beginning Mm -hmm. and you start getting into it and you see what's going on
1: i feel like i should already know this as your girlfriend (laughs) but i don't
0: (laughs) base it's basically just another mad max story Desolate wasteland, post-apocalyptic world. Okay, okay. Gasoline is a precious resource. I
1: hadn't seen Mad Max, so I, wasn't I hadn't sure either. I've
0: never seen the first one or Thunderdome or the newer one, Fury you know what? Road. We
1: need to put that on the list. We're gonna the put them on the list and we're gonna
0: see them. Because then I think I would have a better appreciation for the game. But I do think the game is fun. And speaking of fun. I got to check out the official trailer for the recently released Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for the Switch. It
1: looks really fun. It (laughs) looks
0: really, really fun. Because I hadn't seen anything leading up to it. I only heard reports about it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I was like, okay, okay. I had seen some screenshots here. I'm like, okay, it looks kind of cool, like the original on Super Nintendo. Oh, but it looks so much more fun.
1: It, it, honestly, it looks really easy to play. Not, not, I don't mean easy. Not like, like it's going to be game, a breeze
0: to get through. But,
1: like, the controls are easy to figure out, and plus, uh, the UI was just really pretty. I, I like what they did with it. It looks very classy and simple, yet... Uh, I, don't, I really don't know how to explain it. It's just really neat to look at.
0: Yeah, they really did the depth of field so you can kind of see like how far back the background is away from them and stuff yeah. like that. Everything looks smooth, and that is one thing I'll say about the Switch. The games that are made specifically for the Switch, these new releases, and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm including games across the board that are released on all major consoles and PC. The controls are really smooth and really easy to learn from what from my experience. Mm-hmm. Some of the digital games, like Punch-Out, there's a little bit of a learning curve because you got to figure out what everything does. But you can pick up a controller and play Mario Odyssey not having ever played it before and you figure out the controls relatively easy. Yeah. So Donkey Kong Country looks like it's the same thing and it looks like it's going to be so fun. I, I want to get it.
1: I think you should get it.
0: As a matter of fact, Eddie was asking me last night, we were hanging out with them, if I had got it yet. And I told him, no, but I wanted to. But the day I might have picked it up, Best Buy didn't have a display for it anywhere in the store. That's strange. The day of release, nothing. Hmm. No signs promoting it or anything in the store. And I was like, that seems weird. So. Yeah. Yeah. I walked out of the store without buying anything, of course, because it's like, well, you don't have that. Bye. What are you supposed to do?
1: Yeah.
0: And then...
1: I'm excited to talk about the one game I saw you play. (laughs) I don't remember what it was called, but it was kind of a choose-your-adventure own type game.
0: It was a demo for a game that is coming out soon. I don't remember the release date, but I think it's coming up towards the end of May. Detroit Become Human. Okay. Yeah. And what you saw me playing was your and I don't know how much of the story is like this, I think it's all of it. You play as different. Oh, androids. that's right, it was a demo, so you couldn't yeah. you could only get so far. Right. So in this demo you're playing this android who is called into this crime scene. There's an android that has gone haywire and has killed this family and taken the daughter of the parents host of the people he killed hostage her parents Mm -hmm, were killed right so you're sent in as this android negotiator essentially but you have to get all the clues throughout this demo they gave everyone to download Mm -hmm. so you're collecting all these clues but each clue that you collect can lead to a different scenario outcome so I think I played it, what, four different times that night. Yeah,
1: yeah, you played it a few times. And
0: each yeah. time there was a slightly different outcome because mm-hmm. you found a different clue or you chose to pick up a weapon or leave a weapon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it totally changed how things went down. And it's it's really cool. If, if the entire game is like this, it's going to be huge. I agree. Hopefully the game is like that but even more expansive on that. Because if this is just one portion of the game and the rest is different, it's it's going to be a letdown.
1: And plus the story is really interesting because y- you play this android negotiator person, whatever, but the other, the other character is also an android who's starting to feel things. And he's right. upset. He's upset that the family doesn't love him the way he loves them or he something saw... like that.
0: A catalog
1: mm-hmm. for a,
0: a newer version of an Android him. that would replace him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So something in the the a the artificial intelligence in them or whatever just went weird because he started feeling was His like you're not going to replace me. This this hurts,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it was like he was trying to understand,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he was saying the daughter was also to blame, even the parents were to blame. They're like, well, no, she. They're basically trying to tell him the daughter had nothing to do with it, but he was so
1: Mm out of it. worked up. Yeah. The thing, I I just really love the concept of robots feeling, and it reminds me of iRobot. And I love that stuff. I really love that stuff, and I want you to get the... Rest of the game so that
0: I can see what happens. <laughs> I'm gonna have to when it comes out because it's, <laughs> it's really it's,
1: exciting.
0: It's one that I'm really excited to pick up now after playing that demo. But what they did that I like too was they made that android not just seem emotionally unstable in the moment, but confused by what was going on because they're right? not programmed to feel.
1: Yep.
0: So there was that the the high running of emotions but yet this high level of confusion that was just it was pulled off by the actor playing that it character really brilliantly
1: yeah
0: i don't know who he was but give Good that job. man a video game oscar cuz <laughs> bravo the video game oscar doesn't yeah, exist i don't think they exist. there's some video game <laughs> awards somewhere but hey i don't know what they're
1: called well i know what one person that would get an award is uh, that one uh, okay so he was in diablo 3 and he he played the old guy from big trouble in little china the main guy
0: oh yes um james hong
1: yes he's in he's in a whole bunch of video games Yes, yeah. voices he would probably have a whole bunch of awards that man
0: works him. constantly <laughs> you can't help but love me just seems like it's it, so funny, because I thought he was old in Big Trouble Little China, and he really wasn't. He wasn't? Not really super old. I need, no.
1: I, I need to know how old he is, because I in my head, he's like 200 years old now. <laughs> how he's still alive is beyond me. <laughs> no offense to him, but <laughs> he seems pretty old in Big Trouble Little China, and that was oh. back in the 80s. Oh, we're looking to... Not, okay, here we
0: so he was born in 1929, which would make him...
1: 1929?
0: Okay. Math. Math is hard. Oh, crap. I'm, I'm no good at adding in my head no, on the fly.
1: Especially
0: now that we're in 2018. How do you do that math? <laughs> oh, jeez. We're
1: um, so bad. We're so
0: bad. I have math. a calculator here. I know a lot of you were like, <laughs> it's so easy. It's blah, blah, blah. We, like, well, know. good for you. We, you. I know. Typing it in. We're getting an answer. 89. He is 89 years old.
1: Okay. That's, that's, That's not bad, actually.
0: And Big Trouble in China was
1: 1986. Okay. 86. So. I love him. I know that's very off topic, but he needs to win some kind of an award.
0: So he was 57 in Big Trouble in Little China.
1: Okay. Okay. So. To us, he was old. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like now that we're, you know, at our current ages, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's not that old. But back then I was like, oh, man, this guy's pretty old. Yeah. And then I saw him in other things. I'm like, wow. Wow, he's real. He, work- he works a lot for being so old. And then it's like, <laughs> now I'm like, oh, man, he's 89 now. No, oh, yeah. Now he's he's older, but he's still, he's still doing stuff, apparently. I like him. But yeah, he would definitely win some awards for that because he's good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: he is good but yeah
1: Detroit, become Human.
0: yeah, I give anyone who's got a PS4 download the demo give De- it a shot yeah. it's
1: Definitely recommend
0: high it. recommend once you play that I think you'll anticipate the game because I had no clue what the game was supposed to be I kept seeing articles on it hearing people talk about it I'm like well what the hell is it And then once you see the demo and you play through it, you're like,
1: ah, got it. I'm the type of girlfriend that I like to watch you, my boyfriend, play video games. I just like watching it. It's like watching a movie, except my boyfriend's involved. It's great. But when you're playing this game, I became involved. I'm yeah. like, okay, well maybe you should try doing this and this and well I already tried that, so let me try this over here. It became us working together. Yeah, which to was cool get because this guy to let this little girl. In the go. beginning
0: you were just kinda on your iPad and then I kinda look over and you're <laughs> you're watching a little bit and then all of a sudden I look over and the iPad is down and you're like well, wait what what did you do this like oh i did that and then this happens So well, yeah it was it was funny to see the progression of you slowly getting more intrigued by what was happening
1: yeah at first i was like i don't put up with that shit. just kill him don't negotiate I'll negotiate with hostages don't do that but then by the end i'm like um okay maybe he's you know he's, he's emotional maybe you should try being empathetic with him and <laughs> it's just that whole process of trying to yeah. figure out how you can get this guy to let this little girl go. It, yeah, was,
0: it was so much fun. Yeah, it was definitely fun. It was intense. It after was. I was done, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta step away for a minute. <laughs> this is crazy.
1: Yeah, very good high trip. recommend on yeah, that. I'm very, excited. very
0: high recommend. So, we're just gonna keep the ball rolling.
1: We got we got a big bald roll. I've got.
0: <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. She 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 got the she won the punchline. She got it. So, we are gonna talk about Marvel a little bit, but that's because I've rewatched recently Doctor Strange. Now I haven't talked about it anywhere because the first time I saw it, I was just like, wow, but I didn't have a podcast or a blog or anything to post anything about it. So. I commented on a couple of podcast pages that I follow. I was like, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. So I watched it again, and I have a new appreciation for it. For those of you that don't know, Doctor Strange is a character that is a master of the mystic arts in the Marvel Universe. That's basically all I know. His nemesis is Dormammu in the Dark Dimension. That's pretty much anything I knew going into this movie. So when the movie starts, we see this character, Caecilius, and his followers going to this library with all these old, like, spell books. But they're specifically looking for a certain book and a certain spell within that book. Well the librarian there tries to stop him, he gets overpowered, and you see in the shadows he gets his head cut clean off. Just done. They find the book they need, which we learn later on in the film is the book of Cagliostro, but I feel like saying that now. They find the page for the spell they need, take it out, take off, only to be confronted by this figure with a yellow cloak. They start fighting, they're warping reality, they're going into like this crystal-like world kind of thing where... Reality can be reshaped and reformed, but it doesn't affect people in the real world. This whole fight goes down. Well, they end up getting away with the spell. This person in the yellow cloak just ends up walking down this street in, I believe it was London. You're like, well, shit, okay, what's going on? Cut to our main character, Dr. Stephen Strange in an operating room performing brain surgery, but showing us exactly how cocky he is by having one of the nurses quiz him on music while he's performing delicate surgery because he's just that much of a badass of a surgeon that he's like, yeah, I can totally do music trivia while I'm messing with this guy's brain. No problem.
1: I hated him so much. I hated him.
0: Benedict Cumberbatch was so good at being so egotistical Mm
1: -hmm. and just
0: such an asshole. I
1: feel like it's second nature to him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It makes you wonder, and I really don't want to think that of the guy because I actually really like him as an actor. So he's in there performing this brain surgery when a colleague of his, Christine Palmer, played by Rachel McAdams, Love her. comes in and needs him to consult in an emer on an emergency patient she has in the er who was shot i believe in the neck and they were calling time of death this other doctor dr west was like well no we're calling it he's dead no brain activity no signs of a pulse nothing let's go harvest his organs because he's a donor well dr strange comes over is like uh no because this this and this could be happening which means the, the bullet was like leaching some sort of metal into the system which could cause all these symptoms mimicking death. He goes in once again shows us just how good he is with his hands and how badass of a surgeon he is. He just takes that bullet out without them having all the correct equipment in order. So he's like, there's no time. We just got to do it. All the while mocking the other doctor. Who was like, No, the person's dead. He was like, Oh, well, maybe you shouldn't blah 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 maybe you know You just... shouldn't
1: call the wrong time of death. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. giving him shit.
0: And Christine was thanking him but like, you know, you didn't have to put him down. He's like, Well, if he doesn't know what he's doing, of course I have to Because his ego is so huge. I don't I'm surprised they could both fit down the hallway in the hospital. <laughs> But they're going back and forth over a technique they created. He gets to inviting her to this event that he's going to be speaking at. Because we find out they kind of had a little relationship going on. And she said, well, those were always about you. And he goes, well, no, I want to share it with you. I want you there. She goes, yeah, but it always ends up being about you anyway. So she turns down his invitation He goes off, we see him in his home, he's got his tux on, he's picking out a watch. Heads off in his Lamborghini. Driving recklessly in the rain, fast, on a bridge, cutting people off. Ends up taking a call from one of the colleagues. I believe it was the nurse who, or the assistant in the ER, or the OR, sorry, the operating room, that was quizzing him on music, was running down patients for him. Like, oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? one of the patients and I want to pull this up here because I have it I have it written down so I can specifically talk about this because I thought it was a cool little nod to a previous movie this there's been these other patients and he goes no not worth my time he's basically going no that's not high enough profile for me one of the descriptions this guy on the other end of the phone gives is of a 35 year old Air Force colonel crushed his lower spine in some kind of experimental armor mid-thoracic burst fracture. Which means he was talking about, and I'm not sure if you know this character, James Rhodes, who was a friend of Tony Stark, who becomes War Machine in another version of the Iron Man armor. Ooh,
1: interesting. He's
0: basically gifted that, and he just passed on it like, no, nah, I don't want to do that one either. <laughs> I was like, but that's that's Rhodey. you got to help Rhodey. Well, he ends up being intrigued by this next patient. I don't remember what it was. It was a woman with something. And he sent over screenshots of the x-rays. So as he's doing like 120, he starts looking at the pictures. Ends up crashing his car. Goes through the guardrail in this storm over into... Looked like maybe it was a bay or maybe part of the ocean. But his car just submerged. Next thing we see is he's kind of coming to is being rushed into the ER or the OR because they're going to do emergency surgery. When he comes to, his hands are just in those like surgical pins to hold everything together while his hands are healing. And all he can do is criticize and ask, who did the surgery? Why didn't they, did they do this? Did they do that? And Christine was trying to tell him, look, they did what they could. You were trapped in the car for so long you know that nerve damage sets in and becomes permanent after so long. It would have taken, you know, this and that and the other. He goes, I could have done better. I could have made this happen. I could have saved these hands. So he's just angry and pissed without his hands, without being a surgeon. He thinks he's nothing. So he starts going through the motions of rehabbing, but he's also spending his money like a madman trying to get anyone to give him some sort of experimental procedure or anything to fix his hands and give him his life back. And Rachel McAdams' character, Christine, is trying to tell him, like, you are more than just your gift as a surgeon. You can help people in other ways. He blows her off. You No, no I don't need you. You yeah. can just get the hell out of here. So she leaves. She's like, fine, you want to be this sad sack and be an asshole? Mm-hmm. Do it on your own. I'm done with you. Well, he starts talking with the physical therapist when he's rehabbing, trying to do these hand exercises. Just being a total dick. And then asks him, well, have you ever seen anyone recover from an injury as bad as mine? The guy tells him, yeah. This guy had some sort of spinal injury. Couldn't walk. Very weak. One day he stopped coming. And then I saw him walk past me down the street one day. He goes, so it can, and Strange is like, "Eh, yeah, right, uh huh. Thinking it's just some bullshit that he tells people to inspire them. Well, later on, he gets sent a file that has the x rays from the time the guy had the injury to when he went back and they checked again and it was gone. And he just kind of becomes so laser focused on finding this guy. Because he had just been told by this French surgeon he knew, like, no, I'm not doing your experimental procedure. I, I'm not doing it. There's too much at risk. It's unproven. So he gets obsessed with this guy named Jonathan Pangborn, played by Benjamin Bratt, which was actually really cool. Yeah. Because I did not expect that. I was like, oh. Oh, okay, cool. He finds him, and he's asking him all these questions. And at first... Painborn, is like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Kind of blowing him off. And then he remembers, he goes, oh, yeah, I came to see you for surgery on my spine and you blew me off like I was nothing, so why should I even tell you? So Strange just kind of starts begging, even though he's he's not really doing a good job of it. He's like, oh, I can't, you know, I need help. I need a miracle. Tell me. So he finally tells him, you know, go to Kamertaj. That's what you're looking for. They'll help you find the miracle you're looking for, essentially. He books a one-way flight out there. Goes to Tibet to find Kamertaj. Is walking around. Ends up being assaulted. Well, actually, he kind of started it because they just asked for his watch. And he went to hit the guy. Mind you, with his recently surgically repaired hands... Screams out in pain. They beat the shit out of him. For him to only be saved. By. A dark cloaked figure. Who turns out to be. Mordo. From. The temple at Kamertage That Strange is trying to find. So he takes him there. And he tells him. Look forget everything you think you know. Before you go in here. And have a little respect for people when you enter this place. So he goes in. Immediately thinks this Asian guy is the ancient one that he's seeking. Which is clearly untrue when you see the beginning of the film. You know that's not the ancient one. Because that was the one fighting Caecilius it turns out. When we see Tilda Swinton come in, offer him tea and just kind of answers questions from over off on the side not coming into like the main part of the film like well no I'm in the frame she's just over here talking like oh well yes blah 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 and he's like oh oh he's taken aback I think that a woman could hold such a high place
1: and a white woman at that (laughs) yeah
0: which was controversial at the time of casting really Mm -hmm. Mm mhm Is the ancient one in the comics from what I read as I've never read a Doctor Strange comic in my life. But from what I read online when this movie was... They cast a white woman to kind of avoid any potential racist overtones. But people took it the wrong way. Because the Ancient One is portrayed in the comics, looked more like a Tibetan monk. The long white hair, the long white beard. Typically Asian, and they didn't want to come off as culturally insensitive to that.
1: Although so they're it like, we're made going to seem like they were whitewashing the character.
0: But the producers of the film said we feel that the ancient one isn't so much a specific person as more of a title someone achieves.
1: Okay. So it could
0: be anyone.
1: That makes sense. I'm like
0: that's a good enough explanation. But anyway, back to this. So Doctor Strange is being a jerk. He's being himself. She's talking to him about, what do you do when you fix a nerve? You do this, right? You have specific things you do. Well, what if I told you I could help you to reprogram that? to correct th- Essentially to fix yourself from things that are wrong. And he's going, oh, there's no way. You can't do that. So she essentially sends him off through this interdimensional trip outside of his body, essentially. He's thinking he was drugged in the tea that he got is still an asshole after seeing all that. They kick him out. They're like, you're being disrespectful? Bye.
1: Yep, and he definitely was. Yeah,
0: because he said, can you teach me? She goes, no. So then it just becomes him trying to beg his way back in. He's just staying outside the door, just waiting. So they finally go, fine. If you're serious about this, then you're going to do exactly what we told you forget everything you think you know and you'll be taught you know the mystic arts essentially so he's there he's learning all this stuff still being kind of a jerk but you can see it over time sort of lesson like he's learning not to be such a dick to people that there's more to who he is than just being a great brain surgeon or a great surgeon in general and he's told that he was made to master the mystic arts because he's adapting at it really well he's got a photographic memory he's memorizing stuff and he just keeps wanting to learn more and in the beginning it's like i need to learn everything because that's just how good i am and i want to be greater than that which is why he's getting all those books and just reading through them as quick as he can. Well then he finds in the library that is ran by Wong who is one of my favorite characters in the film because he's just <laughs> no joke said to him make him laugh. Strange comes off with some joke and he's just dead face looking at him like
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're going to get a book or what. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> And he's played by an actor named Benedict Wong. So we had twice the Benedict in this movie. And it was, it was brilliant. Well, Strange starts reading more and more. He's mastering all this stuff. Learning how to project himself into the astral plane. But they still want to teach him how to defend himself if he's going to be essentially a defender of our world from otherworldly threats. So Mordo, who is played by... I didn't say this earlier. I believe it's Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He's just awesome in this role. He was in the movie Serenity. He played the guy chasing the crew from the Firefly TV series that was on... I can't remember the name of the ship, but he was on there. He was really good there, too. That was the first time I'd ever seen him in anything. But he's teaching him... Trying to teach him how to fight. And he picks up a staff and he goes, Wait, why do you have a weapon? And he tells him that it's a relic. I think it was a relic? Yeah, which is something that's imbued with magic, essentially. He goes, Well, when do I get mine? He goes, It'll choose you when it's the right time. So Mordo's trying to teach him, like, Defend yourself using your powers. Don't just rely on a weapon. Well, he gets his ass kicked. He kicked, Mordo kicks Strange's ass, and that sets him off on trying to learn even more. But not to be the typical Stephen Strange that we've known. He's trying to expand his knowledge. So he ends up in the library at one point. He sees this little, like, necklace... Well, he's told it holds what is called the Eye of Agamotto, which is one of the infinity stones, which factors into infinity war later, but that's not what we're here to talk about. And he's immediately intrigued and they're like, ah, no, no one touches that, stays where it's at. Well, (laughs) Strange didn't want that because he wanted to know more. So he's creating these portals, they can make these portals that jump from place to place and he's... Stealing books from the library that he's not supposed to steal behind Wong's back. And reading up on all this stuff. Or when the library's deserted, he goes in and goes and grabs the eye of Agamotto. He's like, well, nobody's around. This is the perfect time for me to check stuff out. So he's been reading so much, and he's retained all this knowledge, he knows how to use the powers of this stone, which controls time. So he has an apple that he was eating, and he's reforming the apple, and then making the apple wither away, and make it come back whole again. Then he goes, wait a minute, they were talking about that page in that book of Cagliostro that was stolen by Caecilius. He grabs the book, sets it down, figures out he can turn back time to where the page is there. And he reads the spell that's there only to be interrupted by Wong and Mordo. And they're telling him, whoa. <laughs> out of bounds, dude. You crossed the line here. You weren't supposed to mess with any of that. Then they're asking, well, how much of the spell did you read? He basically said all of it or most of it or something like that.
1: Most of it.
0: <laughs> it was most of it. That's what it was. They're basically telling him, you can't be messing with this stuff. You're, you're diving in the stuff you don't know. How did you even know how to use, the eye? He goes, I have a photographic memory. I just remember it all. Whew, I've been talking for a while. Sorry. Yeah, it's <laughs> only
1: been fifty-one minutes and eighteen yeah. seconds.
0: Yeah. I just fell out of breath there for a second. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm trying to keep my you're mouth so hydrated. Activating. So, we learn that Caecilius and his zealots, to go back to them for a second, they found this spell which allows them to channel the power of the one they feel is the one true being that can give them everything they want, Dormammu, who resides in the Dark Dimension. Now, a quick little aside here, Caecilius I believe saw his family murdered his wife and children so he went to the Ancient One to learn essentially he was trying to learn well how can I get my vengeance because he showed up angry and just wanting revenge well that never really left him so he was exiled from Camartage and he was like well if you can't give me what I want I'm going to find someone who can. And he had followers that went with him. So they could find out how to get power from Dormammu. who's like I said, is the big bad in the Doctor Strange universe. So they're going around trying to destroy the Sanctums. There are three Sanctums, I believe. It's Tokyo, London, New York. These are the three areas that they have to protect. Which, if these fall... Dormammu can come from the Dark Dimension and essentially destroy the world. That's what these guys want to do. That's what Kaecilius wants to do because he feels it's just and I'll get what I want, which Dormammu will make me and my followers immortal. We'll have everlasting life. Why can't anyone understand that? That is the greatest thing ever. That is the greatest gift. So obviously this guy's out of his fucking mind, but he's played by Mads Mikkelsen, which is just brilliant acting. He's brilliant. I've never seen Hannibal or anything that he's in, but he nailed this. I was blown away. So, they're using the power to try and get what they want. I believe it's the. Was it the New York sanctum that gets attacked? Trying to remember the end of the movie here, trying to figure out where it went. Yeah, I believe Strange ends up going back to New York. Seeing Christine, and she's like, wait a minute, where the hell have you been? You've been gone for months. He's like, I can't really talk right now. But uh, yeah, some stuff's going down. New York Sanctum's attacked by Caecilius and his zealots. He ends up, after dispatching the other followers of him ends up throwing him into this weird trap that like tied him down and shit I don't know Strange put Caecilius in this trap I did not make that clear (laughs) So he's like where the hell did you go and forgive me if I'm leaving parts out now but I didn't rewatch it again before (laughs) before recording this it would have been too much but this is where Strange learns that oh That's what the part was. He was taken to the New York Sanctum to show this is where we defend. This is, and he's being walked through this library. Not really a library, like a little museum, with all these relics and artifacts. And there's a cape in there that kind of is sentient, so it's kind of watching Strange as he's moving around. You're like, okay, that's weird. Then the Sanctum's attacked by Caecilius and his followers. So I'm sorry if I started to say this before. We backed up. We're correcting it. We're good. We're good. Strange still being kind of new to his powers. Can't really do a whole lot. But he's, he's holding his own for the most part. But these guys are so strong that he's got to find other ways to defeat him. He sends one girl through this portal to a desert. And ends up killing the other guy. They're killing one, and then he traps Caecilius.
1: I did enjoy that part.
0: Yeah. And then Caecilius gets free after he t- he's telling him all this, like, look. Oh, no, I remember what it was. Caecilius was still trapped. And he's like, wouldn't you want to live forever? Wouldn't you want so much power that you would essentially be a god? Hmm. And Strange is like, that's not how things work. That's not, you know... Basically telling him, like, I know that's not how things work anymore. That's not how I think. So no, it's not right. And then one of Kaecilius' followers throws this, like, glass magic spear thing they can create. Stabs Strange in the side. He's trying to figure out where to go. He ends up going to the hospital because he knows it's it could be a fatal wound. And he gets Christine. He's like, you gotta... You got to operate now. This is, you know, serious. Well, then as she's operating, he projects his astral self out and tells her, Oh, hey, this is what you got to do. And she freaks out because she's like, wait, how are you? What's going on? And again, he's like, it's a lot to explain right now. But then... The follower of Chysilius ends up showing up the same way in his astral form. There's just this whole astral projection fight going on, as she's trying to operate on Strange's body to save him. She can't see what's going on because they're in the astral plane, but they're still in the hospital, and you can see her operating. It's it was really well done. And he tells her, "You have." She hit him with the paddles because he flatlined. And he tells her, crank it up and do it again. Because when she hit his body, his astral projection was holding one of Kaecilius' followers. And it hurt him. So he like popped back into the real world real quick. Told her, crank it up and hit me again. Do it now. She's like, are you crazy? He goes, just do it. It's fine. And he uses that to kill this follower of Caecilius, who's already long gone by this point. He ends up getting saved. He... Tells Christine, like, hey, I'll have to tell you later what's going on. Just, you know, try to stay safe. (sighs) What? See, this is what sucks, because I'm trying to recall all of this. Well, I know
1: he gets what's-his-face, and he does, like, this time loop, where he keeps Mm. telling him, I can keep doing this forever. Is this how you want to live? Yeah, because I believe
0: next, I believe the London Sanctum was taken down first, because they couldn't take down the New York Sanctum. So they took down London. And then I believe New York... No, New York didn't fall. Maybe it did. Damn it. Either way, we go through. We see Strange... Oh, that's what happened during the fight with Caecilius and his followers. That cape was broken out of its glass case, which is the... I believe they call it the Cape of Levitation. That was the relic that chose Strange like Mordo said. So it grabs him and is lifting him up and moving him out of the way of stuff. And it was it was really cool. It was well done. So we're just going to jump forward. He ends up taking, taking the Eye of Agamotto, Doctor Strange does, because he knows he can use the time. He knows how to use the powers. He and Wong and Mordo end up in Tokyo, which the Sanctum is falling. The Dark Dimension is... Coming, it's just there. Oh, I missed a part. <laughs> I missed a part. Um,
1: it's such a movie. It's there's so many parts. Have all the awesome parts. Oh, there's all together. there's
0: another confrontation with Caecilius, where he tells Strange, the Ancient One isn't as good as you think. She also takes power from Dormammu. And they're like, no, you're wrong. That's crazy. He goes, how do you think she could live for so long? Think about it. Turns out he's right. So then when the Ancient One shows up for this battle, she has the mark of Dormammu on her forehead, which Caecilius and his guys have, which I guess happens after the spell. And she's trying to explain, like, what better way to defend against this threat than to use his own power against him. And Mordo's like, no, that is not what you've taught us. He's having this huge conflict now because he he looked up to the Ancient One so much. Again, I'm going to apologize for jumping all over here, but it was... There's a lot going on in this movie. So Mordo is having this conflict like, I can't trust you, yet you were teaching me this and you go against it, so... (laughs) What the hell were you training me for all these years that I've been here? Was it all for nothing? So he's having this conflict. She, The Ancient Ones ends up getting knocked off this building and just falls to the ground through this glass in New York. So Strange takes her to the ER to get operated on. Ends up projecting himself astrally to see where the Ancient One went because he saw her spirit essentially going off. He's going what the hell is going on? You need to get back in your body so you can live. They can save you. And she essentially says my time's over. This is how it ends for me. But you are the next person to defend New York. They need you there. So you go back and she's just gone. Which essentially she was almost like passing the torch like You can do this. You don't need me. I've seen that I shouldn't have been channeling the power I was. And you're better than I am for not turning to that. He goes back. Tells them she's dead. I believe Wong and Mordo, he tells. And they're just like, well, shit. Now we have to go to Tokyo because shit's going haywire. London's down. New York was attacked and now Tokyo is falling. So they go to Tokyo, and Strange uses the Eye to reverse what Kaecilius and his guys have done, essentially restore the Sanctum in Tokyo. And then they're having this battle with Kaecilius, and he's trying to figure out what to do. Well, then he remembers that the Dark Dimension is outside of time. Time doesn't exist. So he basically goes, hold on, I've got an idea. He takes off into the Dark Dimension, which you can see is breaching the reality between our world and that world. And he confronts... This is what you were getting at. He confronts Dormammu using the eye to just keep putting him in this time loop. (laughs) And you just hear, Dormammu, Dormammu, I'm here to bargain. I'm here to bargain. (laughs) And then finally he catches on. He's like, wait, what is this? What are you doing? And he goes, I can break the time loop, but take take your zealots off of Earth and stop this, and I'll end this time loop. Otherwise, you can keep killing me forever, and I can keep doing this forever. (laughs) It will never stop. So Dormammu agrees to the bargain. Strange comes back behind him, and Mordo and Wong are like, wait, what the hell just happened? He goes, oh, I made a bargain with Dormammu. And is thinking, oh, Well, they end up getting sucked into the Dark Dimension. It closes up. Strange has saved the day with the help of Wong and Mordo. Excuse me. But Mordo is telling him, you went against the natural law of things. What you did wasn't what we swore to do to protect this world. I can't do this anymore. And he just takes off. you're like, okay... As he's very devoted to what he was taught, which now he feels was
1: destroyed.
0: Yeah. A lie. So he goes off, and Wong tells Doctor Strange, Well, you're the new protector of the New York Sanctum, so congratulations. Isn't, and then isn't, that's. Isn't
1: it around that point that uh, Wentz's face makes a joke?
0: Yeah, he makes a joke, and I can't remember what the joke is. Ed Wong starts laughing. Yeah. It's not even a good joke.
1: No.
0: Not even a good one, and he just starts laughing, and you're like, okay, you have a sense of humor. It's a little weird, but you got a sense of humor. And essentially, that's where things end. I believe he does have a final uh, discussion with Christine where he apologizes for how he treated her and you know, tells her she was right, there is more to... There is more I can do to help. And I think that might have been earlier, but either way, he's... He's no longer the same Strange that started the movie. He's now, you know, Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, soon to become Sorcerer Supreme at some point, I'm certain.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was just... It was good. It
1: was really good.
0: It was really good. And I know my... Synopsis kind of went a little off here and there and I had to backtrack but
1: it's a very detailed movie there's it really a lot is. going on
0: I loved all the effects I the effects effects <laughs> can't even speak I loved all the effects the way they showed how the magic would work and when they were opening the portals how they looked like a grinder wheel of sparks flying everywhere It was it was just really well done is it the is it the best Marvel movie, no. But it's still more fun than a lot of other movies I've seen. And like it was intriguing.
1: What?
0: Like what? Oh, like Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to name drop, but <coughs> Justice League. <laughs> Batman v Superman. <coughs> Your mom's name is Martha? Mine is, too. We're besties. Ugh. But yeah, I I recommend anyone who hasn't seen Doctor Strange to give it a shot. I know it's from two thousand sixteen, but I had to watch it again, especially with Infinity War coming up.
1: That and I hadn't seen it at all, so.
0: And you liked it. Yeah, you liked it was good. You didn't see all of it. You saw there were some little pieces <laughs> here and there that you were like.
1: Oh, I wasn't intentionally Ugh. watching it. You were yeah. watching it, and then I. Realized that it was pretty good, and I kind of started watching throughout. So
0: yeah, I really liked the. Uh, I think it was a post-credit scene, where we see uh, the character of Jonathan Pangborn working in like his little shed or garage. And Mordo shows up. And he says, "Oh, what are you doing here? It's been a long time." And he goes, "I've finally realized what the problem is with the world." There's too many sorcerers. Ooh. And Mordo essentially strips Pangborn of any power he had that was allowing him to have healed his injury. And you just see him fall down into like these boxes of the garage and he's just kind of gnarling up. He's like, Why are you doing this? He just goes, he basically tells them it's it's to balance out the universe because there's too many sorcerers around. It's like, ooh, you've taken a dark turn, so I'm wondering if he's going to be the villain in the next movie or if they're going to build up a couple more movies and then have him show up. But I, I enjoyed every second of this movie. Like I said, it was a second watch. But really, really good. See it if you haven't. And if you have seen it, watch it again. Look at the little things that are going on and you'll have a greater appreciation much like I did. It was the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fine. And on a second watch, I really really enjoyed it a lot more. So check it out. <laughs> so now that I kind of stumbled my way through that, <laughs> that that leads us to the end of the show here essentially. Oh. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, we've we've done we've talked a good deal. No,
1: well, I feel like we had a lot more to talk about. I I feel like we had this huge list of things.
0: <laughs> but there is one thing that I have been teasing for a while now. I know this is only episode three, but uh, it seems like six months ago I was talking about this on episode one. <laughs> It wasn't it really six months. Mu- <laughs> it wasn't six months ago, but I, I saw you looking at me like, "Wait,
1: what?" Wow, you really have Holy been procrastinating. That's awful. <laughs>
0: this is the part of the show where I give you a cult classic recommendation, and some of you may not consider this a cult classic, but I do, because of how I was introduced to this movie. This film used to show up on the local stations when I was growing up. And it's one that was always on, like, Sunday in the afternoon. And I would never catch it from the very beginning most times. It was always about halfway through, and I would just have to stop and watch it. So for years, I didn't know how the movie started. But it was so much fun. And I'm talking about a little film from 1982, Creepshow.
1: Well, now, I see that says uh, George A. Romero and Stephen King.
0: Yep. Original screenplay by Stephen King, and this was directed by George Romero.
1: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. It's it's a high point in Romero's career and a pretty high point in Stephen King's screenplay writings. It's an anthology film, so you have your wraparound story and then your several little stories throughout the film. I'm not giving any spoilers, but... oh. Like I said, I heard about this film by watching it on local TV as a kid. So I had never seen the beginning. So later on, I got to rent it from Netflix. And was blown away from the beginning. You have the Father's Day segment and the one with Geordie Verrill. You have the roaches. You have Ted Danson being buried in the sand at a beach by Leslie Nielsen. That's all I'm saying, because I these mean, stories are great.
1: Those, that doesn't sound familiar to me at all. I, I don't, don't think don't you've possibly, seen it. I don't think I have. And I
0: think the last time I watched it, you weren't here when I watched it.
1: Oh, uh, that's figures.
0: You might have still been living down in San Diego yeah, at the maybe. time. So it's been a while since I've seen it.
1: Well, now I'm going to have to watch it.
0: But I would say anyone who hasn't seen this, if you understand the anthology structure, you'll appreciate it. And this is one of the better anthology films in the horror genre. Mm. It's the effects are great. And I believe the effects were done by Tom Savini on this film. If I'm remembering correctly. And Savini has worked with Romero so much. Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. And Savini's effects just really make this film pop. If I'm remembering that correctly, I just... You know what? I can look it up earlier to make sure that I'm actually right because I don't want to discredit anyone for not getting their dues on the effects work. So, we have our little cheat site open. And I'm going to look this up.
1: Is that the official music of looking things up?
0: (laughs) apparently that's that's what i hear in my head (laughs) let's see let's see Mm -hmm. why is it not i know usually it has a, a crew but it's not maybe i need to look at that okay so we're gonna see Okay, so here we go. We saw the writing credits directed by... And as we go down... Oh, maybe not? Yeah, Savini. Makeup effects. And his whole crew were there, so... I just had to look and see, because well, this is something I remembered from tons of other podcasts talking about the movie. And watching all sorts of people just cream their pants over this fucking movie, essentially. (laughs) And it's good. There actually is a documentary out about Creepshow as well. It's a behind the scenes thing. Which, if you've seen Creepshow, I would say check that out. I haven't seen it yet. I don't remember the name right offhand, but it's it's something to watch. I've heard it's actually pretty good. But this movie, back to this movie, it's it's just classic eighties filmmaking all practical effects, all very well done. And this this movie holds a place in my heart because having seen it as a kid and then seeing it now as an adult later on, it hasn't lost anything to me. It is still as good as the first time I saw it. Everything, the storytelling was solid. The wraparound was solid. The acting...
1: Maybe not so solid?
0: Stephen King's performance is fine because it's kind of funny and quirky, but he's definitely not a great actor. (laughs) But it works for this. As far as, you know, if there was anything I could change about the movie, I don't really think there is. I mean, the weakest segment for me is the cockroach one, but it's still just creepy to think that there's just roaches coming in from everywhere. Yeah.
1: Yuck. Yeah.
0: I'm not going to give any more than that, but it's like anything you could do to prevent it is not working.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's like ew. it's not as scary as it is just disturbing and creepy like, oh, that would no. For
1: some reason. No. That's kind of reminding me of the movie slugs. Yeah. Where you can't really prevent them from coming up, you know.
0: Yeah. It's it's kind of like that. But there's there's a little more to it, so it's a little when you see it, we'll we'll watch it soon yeah, so I'm you can see what to I'm see getting it now. at. But Creep Show from nineteen eighty two screenplay by Stephen King, directed by the late George A. Romero. R.I.P. R.I.P. George. We loved your movies. You were good at what you did. That is one reason why Creep Show is the first cult classic recommend here on Skewered Universe Podcast.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: And that's it. That's it, guys. <laughs> this has been episode three. I have been your captain on this journey. It feels like it's been like six hours. <laughs> but, uh, yeah.
1: Good times.
0: This has been Jeff. And Enjoy- Leanne. And Leanne. We were taking you through the Skewered universe, so keep enjoying things that are always just a little bit Skewered.